0: Welcome to today's ILTER pre-recorded podcast interview entitled The Partnership Paradigm, Why Law Firms Need a Different Approach to Change. I'm your moderator, Sachin Gupta, Knowledge Management Attorney at Latham & Watkins. I'm joined today with Eric Barber from Traveling Coaches and Kathleen Hogan, Senior Director of Knowledge and Data Insights from McCarthy to Thanks both for joining me today. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about your organizations and the role with them? Kathleen, I'll start with you.
1: Great. Thank you. Sure. So um, I'm located in Toronto, uh, where I'm at McCarthy Tetro, which is primarily Canadian, but global firm. Um, We've got six offices in Canada and a couple of satellite offices in the UK and New York, about 800 uh, attorneys in the firm. Um, My role is classic knowledge management, you know, precedents, templates, but also a lot of work around legal technology implementation and design. I'm also leading our firm's um, sort of round table into what, you know, what kind of data do we have? What kind of insights can we draw out of them? Um, and uh, probably like many, uh, I'm also involved now in generative AI and how we can leverage the power of gen AI in practice.
0: Definitely interesting times in our area. Mm-hmm. Erica, can you tell me a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. So I am
2: a learning strategist with Traveling Coaches and um, Traveling Coaches, they're an organization specialized in learning and development, change management and overall user adoption when it comes to law firm technology. And so I work with law firms and I help them to develop and enhance their learning and development programs, um, identify and assess learning goals, track progress. We all know the importance of measurement and, and metrics. And um, I provide uh, change management strategies and, and strategies for overall adoption of technology.
0: Great. Well, that's what we're here to talk about. So can you tell me some common change man- frameworks that apply to organizations in general?
2: Sure. So one of my personal favorites is, is ADCAR. And for those that may be unfamiliar with ADCAR, it's a change management framework developed by ProSci. And it's an acronym that stands for awareness. So the, the what, which is common in our standard communications, you know, this is the awareness of the need for change. Uh, desire, which I think is the most important one. It answers the question, why should I care, which is super important, especially to our timekeepers, our attorneys. Here's the the whiffum, the what's in it for you. Uh, knowledge on how to change. That's the training that's involved. Uh, the ability to implement change and reinforcement. And so I like this one because it's unique and it focuses on the individual and kind of that journey. It said that, you know, in order to have successful change, you need to have all five of those things and in that order. Um, And and, and change within an organization, it, it happens at the individual level. And one of my colleagues has a saying, a quote that he often uses, until something matters to you personally, you will never change. And that's true on the, the personal side and the business side of just our, our day-to-day. And so, yes, within our communication, when it comes to change management, we typically focus on the what and the why, but it's important that we think about creating that desire to change, meeting that that human need to know why. It's a, it's a critical factor. And, and ADCAR, again, my personal favorite, it helps kind of provide that that blueprint for a successful change management.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I think that first step often gets overlooked is just creating that awareness to change, which drives that desire to actually make it happen. Absolutely. Um, So I think change management is challenging in any organization, in any company, because humans are naturally resistant to change. Turning to law firms specifically, Kathleen, could you talk about some challenges unique to a law firm environment that can make those approaches more difficult to implement?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds good. This is um, within law firms an evergreen topic and it is top of mind again with, you know, generative AI. Uh, I mean, what a tsunami of changes coming at us right now. And how are we going to harness, you know, the um, I, what I have found to be a very positive reaction to the the uh, possibilities with Gen AI? Yeah. Um, Still, there are generally challenges, as you've noted, with change management uh, in law firms. Um, they are unique in that they are partnerships and they are large often they are very large partnerships, you know, with a classic triangle shape of um, equity oh, um, partners at the top. Maybe you've got a level of income partners or of counsel and associates making up the bottom um, of that pyramid. Um, and that small little tip of the triangle at the top—they're they're really the business owners—and um, that actually makes a difference, especially in a big firm. If you've got, you know, a lot of—you've got really a lot of owners—and just like in any organization, you know, an owner um, or you know, anywhere does not want to accept change or do things a little differently, or maybe they don't see what's in this is important to do the air quotes here. What's wrong with what they're doing, and maybe there is nothing wrong, but there are better ways to do things. Like if they don't see that, if they don't want that, if they can't accept it, they don't have to. Um as as a rule, there are firms that are, you know, exceptions or edge cases and they tend to be the innovative firms um, that we like to hear about. Um, so I think that's that's a big thing is that most of the people who are, you know, the, the powerful people in a firm who have the client relationships, they're the ones at the top of that pyramid. And if they don't want change, um, they don't have to accept it. So that, that can be challenging. There's obviously a flip side to that if you've got partners who are um, uh, adaptable to change or interested in new platforms, programs, technologies, that can be a very positive thing. That's not what we tend to see in law firms. You're totally right, Sachin lawyers tend to be tech-averse, change-averse, uh, and risk-averse. So we will always have this as an evergreen topic in a law firm. Uh, pivoting from that, I I have also worked at a very large public uh, bank, a regulated um, entity, and it's so interesting. It is very, very different there. And when attorneys move from, you know, even an associate position or an income partner position into um, an in-house legal department, they're they're often in for a shock. The biggest one being that wow, they are not the business owners anymore. They're not the drivers of the business. They are cost centers. And other parts of the business will say that. I mean, I've ha- I had that said to my face, Oh, you're you know, just another cost center and it's something else they have to pay. So they're not the leaders. They're not the owners anymore. Um, And in large organizations, and especially, as I say, in even more regulated or or publicly owned companies, things have to move in a certain way, right? They invest in um, HR programs or in certain kinds of technology. And that is the way it is. And you don't have that power and position anymore as perhaps a business owner to say, no, thanks. Um, As one GC told me, uh, either you get on the bus or we'll get you off the bus. And there simply isn't an option not to accept change. Doesn't mean it all goes perfectly and smoothly, but uh, you are not necessarily stuck with the people who will not accept change in an organization like that.
0: Yeah, that that transition from from going in-house to a law firm, is very familiar when I did it. It's a shock to realize that you were now a cost center instead of a revenue driver. Um, but speaking of finding the partners that are on board with change, I think speaks to that. Yeah, that that creating that awareness and desire to change that Erica was referring to, too. And like you said, since law firms are not pyramids. You have to find out who those partners are. And I think that's common in, in most law firms. So mm-hmm. looking amongst law firms um, individually, uh, do you think that there are some aspects of individual law firm culture that impact the ability to implement change, either positive or negatively? Erica, start with you.
2: Yeah, so within law firms, what typically happens, although not intentionally, is silos are created. Um, so we may have, uh Kathleen kind of hinted to this earlier, HR is focusing on our HRIS system. Whereas marketing, they're focusing on the new CRM tool and accounting, they're focusing on a a new accounting billing system that they plan to, to roll out. And when we don't have that cross department collaboration, there are associated risks. So there's, of course, the communication breakdown, which can lead to everyone not being on the same page. It can lead to unnecessary overlap. Maybe we already have a tool in place that could solve this same issue or um, fill this same, this same gap. And it, it prevents us from being able to see the big picture. How is this going to benefit the firm? How is this going to impact our end users? Kind of going back to what I mentioned earlier, how change happens at the individual level. So if we take our eye off of how this is going to impact you as an individual, then, of course, we risk the chance that you're going to be resistant to change. Um, Silos also make it very difficult. You know, when we're not working together as a team, it's very hard to measure success and success can look very different for different departments. So if I go back to that CRM tool for marketing, success for the IT department is deploying it. Check, we're done. Whereas for the marketing team, it may be a little different. But again, if we're not collaborating and we don't break down those silos, again, created unintentionally, um, we also resist or risk the chance of just change saturation. Too many things hitting our end users at one time. Um, And anytime we do that, it kind of it, it it sets us up for failure for future software rollouts or any sort of change within the firm.
0: Yeah, And that communication problem, I think, is, is exacerbated by that lack of pyramid structure that becomes more challenging in a law firm to get all those departments on board. Um, Kathleen, from your perspective, are there any aspects of law firms that you've noticed that impact change positively or negatively?
1: I can maybe give an example of each. Um, uh, and and I'll and I'll say to Erica's point, you know, change saturation. I think we have to be really careful about how we're talking about change, and it can't be just more emails that talk about efficiency and effectiveness. But that that should be table stakes. Um, you really got to think about the with them and what's going to benefit a particular group or a set of um, fee earners. Um, so what I have seen is that. Law firms often don't have um, overarching coherent strategies, but if you have one, it is an incredibly robust and powerful tool. Seeding change management initiatives in the context of that strategy is very powerful. So having a good firm strategy that is always front and center is really important, Uh, So that new initiatives like new platforms, uh, maybe a new employee engagement program, even, you know, we were bringing in some new partners from other firms. Why are we doing that? It should all um, refer and relate back to that firm's strategy and use the language of the strategy. So it's not that we're trying to save a buck or be more efficient or buy and implement this shiny new thing change is the result of the strategy it's not a project that's a driver it's the strategy that's the driver so that can work really well it's it it is work to develop a strategy keep it up to date but if you can seat your change management initiatives there um it, it just it's a whole it turns into a whole cohesive program One of the negative things in typically in law firms is that there's too much power linked to existing client relationships. These relationships can be uh, very long-term, especially with maybe larger institutions and the individuals who work there. Um, These relationships are guarded closely because they're a source of security for maybe a senior partner and obviously a source of income for them. sometimes a partner doesn't even know that that's what they're doing, you know, guarding a relationship, what they're thinking is that they are providing excellent client service and two things can be true. But this means that more junior people don't necessarily get to develop those relationships, understand where the client is coming from until maybe a partner is ready to retire and you're forced to transition. Um, So, you know, why would a partner change and accept change if things seem to be going well for them? perhaps in a very long-term relationship. So that is one of the negative things that I see with law firms is there's a, too much um, security and, and power attached to um, certain relationships. I mean, that, that would be a whole change management piece in itself, but you know it then brings out well, why would that person change or um, bring in a new protocol like design thinking or project management if things are going really well for them. I and
2: think to that's add a great.
0: That, point. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry,
2: go ahead. To add to that um, something Kathleen said earlier. You know, I like to think of law firms as we have so many different layers, all the different practice groups and, and departments. And so another important piece when we're communicating the change, it, it can never within a law firm be a one size fits all. Because the why you should care and how this impacts you is going to vary across different practice groups. So it's important as change management practitioners, learning and development professionals, those that are implementing the change to understand the work at a high level of the different practice groups and departments so that we can tailor our communication and tailor our training to meet their specific needs.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point, too. It's tailoring that strategy, their change strategy to the firm strategy, but also to the individual practice groups and what works for them. On the point of uh, the, the power of the client relationships, I think like so many things, the revenue drivers drive certain business functions. So Kathleen, what role do you see clients play in impacting driving change within a law firm?
1: Well, what we're seeing at McCarthy Tetro is this is already really important and it's going to increase Uh, I I hate to keep talking about generative AI, but, you know, it is happening. So, you know, when we respond to RFPs and we have, you know, um, a a small army at McCarthy Tetra that does that day in and day out, um, we're often asked about, you know, our tools, our innovation, how are we training people on new tools and platforms? How are those things going to affect them, you know, their pricing uh, and pricing models? Um, now, ultimately, price does drive decisions um, from clients, but we are we have been seeing for a very long time that they are interested in um, making sure that we are using the right platform, system and processes. You can't have those things working well in a law firm without change, because that obviously evolves, you know, very quickly. Um, most Most recently, we are now starting to get sort of add-on questions um, or specific questions from clients around generative AI. Are we using large language models? If so, how How are we protecting uh, client confidentiality and data and security? Um, So yeah, clients are driving um, a lot of how we approach um, change management, and how we present that and, again, see that in strategy and change within the firm.
0: Yeah, the generative ad point is fascinating to me. It's uh, probably the first time in my career I've seen this much client interest on, on internal tools that law yeah. firms are using.
1: Yeah, we've already developed a sort of normalized set of answers for for those, uh, those questions that are start, going to start to become typical.
0: Right. So another aspect of law firms, I think, that differs from traditional corporations is just the business cycle. Um, So, Erica, are there certain periods that are more favorable or more difficult for change to take place, such as when billables are lower or in a time of technological advancement, such as the advent of generative AI in the past year?
2: Absolutely. So my, my previous role, I worked for a little over a decade as a learning and development professional within a law firm setting. And so I would always say that being a trainer, um, it's almost like you're a salesperson and you're always competing against the attorney's billable hour. You know, so um, to answer your question, the end of the year between November and January for most law firms, their focus, their priority is bills. So we're all focused on on billing. And so that's the time of the year where I've had some of my clients that will tell me we don't push out anything new. We don't, you know, we even slow down when it comes to some of our training initiatives because we know the focus of of the firm. But what I tell them is that's the perfect time for us to start to, one, assess the previous year. Identify if there were any pain points, any opportunities. It's usually around the time we develop our budgets for approvals for the next year, and then we can begin to strategize. So this is the time for the change management professionals and learning and development professionals to kind of build out their uh, roadmap for the next year. Begin with the end in mind. So if our goal is by quarter three, we want to have XYZ software program rolled out, what are the steps that we need to take to get there? What does the communication strategy look like? for the different practice groups and departments. How do we get buy-in? What's our strategy for reinforcement? We're all familiar with the forgetting curve. Um, and, and all of that will just help us to build and have a better chance at, at user adoption. So November to December, it's really like a planning and strategize uh, strategy phase for the following year.
0: It speaks to that point again of tailoring strategies for what's actually happening inside a firm. So- this is a lot to think about when attempting to implement change within a law firms. I guess as a final point, I'm wondering if you could both leave us with a micro strategy, something that an individual can implement, and a macro strategy, something that you can implement more on a firm scale that can help implement change um, within a law firm. Uh, Kathleen, I'll start with you.
1: Sure. Um- in terms of uh maybe a micro strategy uh, and this is I, I will admit something that i learned from traveling coaches and in working with them is don't bury your negative influencers and we all know who those are like your your positive influencers are always going to be your positive influencers they're going to do what you want you don't even have to ask them half the time but actually your negative influencers can be really powerful too don't tell them that they're the negative influencers but gather them up and say look You've got a really unique um, position, Maybe in your practice group, uh, people listen to you. It's really important that you are on board with this. I'm really hoping that you can help. Here's some talking points. Would you be willing to, you know, give X or Y a try, find something to talk about, be authentic. And if people are seeing the person who's usually, you know, who hates everything, um, so like, well, I tried it and, and it's maybe not perfect, but but I really liked this. I really liked this particular function. People will listen to that. People will go, whoa, you know, so-and-so likes it. Uh, I'm gonna give this a try. Um, so that would be a, a micro strategy, a macro strategy, and this is this is really powerful, just simply asking people um throughout the change process to suspend their disbelief. Um you know, try to forget all their maybe negative change experiences from before and say, look, just try, just prepare yourself for change. It's going to be hard when you, you know, open your laptop a Monday morning or the first time you have to try project management, you're not gonna like it. It's actually going to be some friction for you. It's going to be a bit painful as you go up the learning curve. Let's acknowledge that. And I mean, just very bluntly and authentically, and say, but please continue to suspend your disbelief. Give this a try. Change is hard, and let's see how you feel in a week, in a month, in six months. And what I have found is that really helps people. People's mindset. It helps them kind of clear the decks on you know that let's say that Monday morning when you know the switch is being flipped, um, and they're just more amenable to that friction. They're readier for that friction. Um, and the noise that you find um, right at the
0: beginning does die down over time. Great. Erica, anything on your end?
2: Yeah, as far as the um, micro, kind of tying into what Kathleen mentioned, you know, when it comes to us as individuals within an organization, we experience the change, too, you know, even if we're the ones implementing change. so. It's important, I think, to always educate yourself. You stay informed about industry industry trends, uh, best practices that are relevant to your specific practice group or department. And in doing so, it will help not only kind of empower you to begin looking for potential opportunities in the future and things that we can implement within the firm, but also to prepare yourself for upcoming change because change is inevitable. You know, software programs, they update what seems like Every other week these days, you know. So um, just keeping in mind, change again, it happens at the individual level. So empowering ourselves, it'll help us prepare for that. Um, on the macro side, and this is something I think is super important for any firm, any organization, before we even begin to implement a change, before we're vetting a program, is to have some sort of needs assessment. You know, this ties back to what I mentioned earlier about knowing the work. So what are the pain points? What are the business drivers that we're trying to solve? Where are their bottlenecks? Where are their inefficiencies? If we continue to stay within a silo, we're for sure going to miss something along the way. So getting feedback from the attorneys and from the support staff to ask those questions, what are we missing? Where are their bottlenecks? What are your specific pain points within um, your practice group? tying again back to beginning with the end in mind. So now that we know the work, now that we know the specific needs of the law firm, we can tailor our communication and, and, and hopefully meet them where they are to get better better user adoption and lower the chances that we'll have resistance.
0: Great, thanks, that's so helpful. Um, a lot of great strategies for implementing change in law firms. Thanks so much both for your time today. Um, this was really helpful. I hope those tuning in to view the session later find it great as well. And that concludes our session. Thanks for your time.
1: Thank you. Thank you.